That's probably what I'll do someday. Abandon your kids. (laughs) Leave your dog with Linda. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. No, you'll take the dog with you. That's my dog. (sighs) You ready to go? (laughs) Yeah. Hi, I'm George Techmichev here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson for Easton Podcast 135. 135, Steve. Wow. It's a lot of hours of, of boredom, but uh, hey, you know, as, a, as long as our listeners, all 350,000 of them, as of the last time I checked, are happy, then I'm happy, and you should be too. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Anyway, here we are, and uh, recently we spoke with Tom Dillon about the developments involving North Korea, and they're giving up their Olympic slots and a bunch of other stuff and where things stand right now. So we don't need to cover that stuff. But uh, we also had a good conversation about the fruits of the labors of various world archery committees that have been, you know, all joking aside, working pretty hard to come up with some proposals to continue to move the sport forward. And I want to preface this by saying, um, I, you know, I'm always a little bit I'm kind of conservative, I guess. I'm one of those people that kind of doesn't like to see change happen unless there's a really good reason. And in the past, we've had some really good reasons. And we've made some changes in the past that worked out really well and some changes that didn't. Some of the stuff that didn't, that comes to my mind right away, and maybe you'll have a few, are things like um, shooting a second shoot-off if, if the first shoot-off resulted in two tens or hit or miss for compound. You got any like that in, in your mind? Um, no. No, I, I, there's been, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in, in that. I don't like change for change. Like they need meaningful change and they probably should only make changes after consulting with an athlete committee who has put out some type of a survey to the actual athletes. Otherwise they're forgetting who their real resource is. It's the athletes. If they say, this sucks, we're not doing it anymore, then World Archery and all of their committees and all of these hand ringers go away. But they probably didn't ask the athletes anything because that's how it is. I don't know if you're being fair here or not uh, because, you know, I I don't know whether the athlete committee might have, you know, the members of the athlete committee might have very well done something of a survey and they just didn't ask you. (laughs) Nope. Because I asked members of that would know. I asked them. I said, hey, have you heard of this? They had not. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think that, you know, I personally know a lot of these people in some of these committees. And and so I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt that they've gone through the process in a thorough manner. You know, these these people do not take this any more lightly than you might think. I mean, it's absolutely a, a big responsibility that they've got. And I think they understand that. So putting that stuff aside, you know, whether that's uh, even appropriate for us to discuss, well, it's appropriate for you to discuss, might not be appropriate for me to discuss, but (laughs) putting that stuff aside, I I do have good faith that WA really does do the best it can because it's, it's in their best interest to do the best they can for this purpose and to grow the sport and to have more member countries. and, And, you know, they're not, they're not out to, damage the sport in any way they're out to grow it and to oh no i believe their intentions are pure i just think they need to consult the people who actually matter and not someone who's been retired from the game for 50 years 
Okay, point taken. I won't even take that personally. <laughs> and as we move along with this discussion, I, you know, there are a number of things that I think um, we should preface by saying there's been a lot of growth in the sport. There's 166 countries in world archery now, and a lot more of them are sending people to events. And the events have gotten bigger. And you know this, Steve, in, in the time that you've been in the sport, everything has gotten bigger, more complicated, more days required. And a few months ago, Bruce put on that event, the Rushmore Rumble. And I, I remember very distinctly you telling me that you were really happy with one particular aspect of that event. And that was you weren't there the entire day shooting. You shot a certain number of arrows and you were able to do other things that day. And that struck me. As many arrows in as little time as possible. Well, that's a perfect segue to the first part of the conversation. In order to accommodate the growing numbers of participants at events, WA has made the determination that it might be desirable to look at ways to do just that, to let them shoot as many arrows as possible in the shortest time possible. And they're approaching this from four different directions. One, size of the target. Two, scoring on the compound side. So size of the target relates to recurve. Scoring on the compound side for both indoor and outdoor. So that takes us to three things. And then finally, the number of arrows for all categories. So let's, let's hit those one by one. Motion number 10 that will be coming up in Yankton, at least as of right now, from the standpoint of the documents that have just been released by World Archery, which are the documents for the motions that will be considered at the Congress in Yankton, include a motion to change the size of the target face for recurve. This was submitted by the Target Archery Committee. And what it would do is it would change, it would not take away, by the way, the 122 centimeter target face, but it would apply a new 100 centimeter target for 70 meters and for 60 meters for the cadets on the recurve round. And you'd continue to use the existing 80 centimeter face for 50, 40, 30 in, in feet of rounds. But for the purpose of eliminations and finals rounds, we'd be looking at a new target, 100 centimeters. And um, the idea here is it would be smaller because it goes hand in hand with another proposal, which is cut the number of arrows from 72 to 60, just like we have indoors. Before I keep harping on about what these rules are, I'd like to get your initial impression. Well, initial impression, I... I like round numbers, so 100 centimeter is nice. That makes your 10 ring 10 centimeters. Um, we could call it the meter target. Yeah, I I do uh, I do like that. Um, I don't, you know, recurve might not like it. What it's going to do is is certainly place a, a premium on every little point like right now sometimes you get a, a liner a liner 910 right that ends up as a nine and you get one that's way out there wide and they're they're a different that's a different arrow right a, a big nine touching red versus one just off the 10 ring that might change from being now it's a mid nine and an eight 
right? So what's the premium on, on the shot? That's for on sure. Quality shots. Yes. Yeah. And it gives a little more room for matches to shift, but that already exists in recurve. They need to, uh, yeah, that already exists in recurve. So I don't know. It's, it's whatever. So, 122. So th- I don't know how they came up with 122 centimeters as the face size anyways. Because that's 48 inches, and that was the original York target. Uh, of course, we did it off of Imperial standards, the same as we did going to the moon. Yes. Okay. Correct. Freedom units. So in the case of the 122, that is a throwback to the original York target, which had five rings. Um, they didn't have a dividing line in the colors. And that 48 inches translates to 122 centimeters. And that's why we've had the 122 all this time. Okay. It, the, the rationale, the reason that the committee came up with this plan is related to the proposal to shoot 60 arrows instead of 72. Even with the 122, you're seeing more and more tied scores in the qualification round. And if you cut the number of arrows, you're going to see even more ties. So a smaller target would reduce the number of ties. And they created a mathematical model, which I haven't seen because uh, in spite of the fact they say it's attached to the document, it's not. There is a mathematical model that seems to show that that's the case. And common sense kind of dictates, you know, our experience would say, yeah, that makes sense. Smaller target faces are, go ahead. Oh, go on. The other point was simply that smaller target faces are easier and cheaper to produce. I think a 122 requires a custom press uh, layup, you know, that the paper has to be specially mm-hmm. ordered. And I think that the um, number of companies that can do it are mostly limited to companies that can print big maps and banners and things of that nature. And the tolerances on a target face are pretty tight. Uh, it's not cheap to print a target. And as, as most clubs know, yeah. it's not real cheap to buy them. So if it reduces cost, hey, why not? You know, why, why yeah. not make it a little easier? It, now, it certainly makes that one part of it easier, and um, it makes actually shooting at the thing a little bit harder, right? And right. It, we, we often talk about you have to think of the club archer, not the World Cup archer. Right. So that as a practical matter, there's another important thing, and that is we'd have a whole slew of new world records because every record would be a new record. What I'm not seeing here is – is uh, so that uh, what I was talking was with the hundred centimeter, right? Moving mm-hmm. now to the sixty arrows instead of seventy-two. What's their plan? How many ends? How much time? I didn't see that in the proposal. Maybe so. I time is time it. is time is part of this as well, um, and that's that's a very good point. Um, if you look at it from the standpoint of the number of arrows, there's also a time component. Now that's not all built into this same document. So taking this one at a time. Your new rounds, any 72 arrow round would now become a 60 arrow round for every category. A double round would be 120 arrows instead of 144. A double 60 for cadets or for masters would still be 120 arrows. So it's either 60 or 120. You shoot two rounds, it's 120 arrows. 1200 would be your perfect score. And um, 600 would be a perfect score you know, for a single round. This would obviously help for time. It would also help for consistency, make it easier to explain to sponsors outside the sport for non-endemic media. Um, And it would be consistent just like some other sports are consistent with their rounds. Tennis is a point that Tom had brought up, you know, the number of sets played and that kind of thing. And um, this reduction is going to save 
as much as one day per event when you when you do the math. So That's you cool. get a shorter event up to a day, which is a big number. Um, you know, when you talk about an extra hotel room for 300, 400 participants, it's a lot of money involved. Uh, you can improve the consistency among target events. You no longer have to think about, okay, are we shooting this round or that round? Is it 72 arrows? Is it a double 72? Whatever. Right. Makes scores easier to understand. So um, that aspect of things is another bylaw consideration. Now, uh, that goes hand in hand with that smaller target. Because again, if you want to reduce the number of ties, you've got to have either more distance or a smaller target. And the smaller target was deemed the way to go. More distance was considered to be too onerous to the grassroots. And, you know, you and I had talked a couple podcasts ago about, wouldn't it be better if we just took the 80 centimeter for compound and pushed it out another 10 meters? And yeah, that would be better for Steve Anderson, for Jimmy Lutz, for, you know, that caliber of shooter but it wouldn't be better for a lot of club shooters. And Thanks so for including me in the current world champion in the same sentence. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You know, you were what, two points off something like that. I mean, come on on any given day. So two at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, the, the team uh, slot oh, for world championships. Yeah. And I mean, I did beat Jimmy and round Robbins. So just... uh-huh. Yeah. I saw that. So that's uh, my point. That's why I brought yeah. it up. Jimmy's shooting incredibly well. He was he P1 the whole, the whole way through. He's we'll we'll get into the force. team stuff in, in a bit. But yeah. Not to, not, you know, I can't keep up with myself here if we derail and go to that out. You know, I'm not going to get back to this conversation properly. Yeah. So. I'm already losing interest in 60 arrows and 100 centimeter. I'm ready to move on to this. Yeah. Move on to 60 I, seconds because that's the third part yeah. of this thing. And you're right. Um, you know that's that's not uh, it's not listed here per se, but uh, along with all of this, would be a proposal to change the timing of an end to a three minute rather than a four minute six arrow round. So I'm going to start over again. Three minutes this. instead of four minutes. The proposal would take us from a four-minute end to a three-minute end. We'd have yeah, 30 no seconds per arrow. You know what? Here's what's going to happen with that. People who shot, people who are voting on this, if they shot compound, they'll be like, whoa, it's a lot of arrows in three minutes. People who shot recurve will be like, oh, that's fine. We usually wait around until there's like 30 seconds left anyways and then try to blast all of our arrows because we have crippling target panic. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to go there. You know, I, I kind of made a similar joke with Tom. I said, this is going to result in a whole bunch of new world records, whether you change the round or not, because you're going to force people to shoot faster. Yeah. Most shooters really ought to do. I, uh, we were at trials, you know, and there was, there was one kid on the, the recurve side who's, he's got that target panic right now where they wait until there's, if they have three arrows to shoot, they wait until there's like 40 seconds. Amber, or the amber gambler, we used to call it. Yeah, I, my my here's my proposal for that. I call it motion number uh, 40 for 40 seconds. If you're doing that, you don't get to shoot in team trials because you're not going to make the freaking team anyways. <laughs> so 
we all were sitting around, you know, we, we wrap up our end with 40 seconds left on the clock and we have to sit around and wait on this kid to sit around and wait. So yeah. that's my proposal for USA archery team trials. <laughs> in the case of, uh, in the case of this situation, if you look at the whole package that they put together, uh, I honestly believe, you know, it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm, I can see I'm why there. this would be a good thing. I'm so, there. Um, I like the component of, I like that they're addressing time because when I first started attending world cups, we started, I think we had qualification on Wednesday and now they do qualification on Tuesday because there, it just takes so long. And if they can shorten that a day, that's a, that's a big deal. But again, that's to like the, the less than 1% of the people in archery. I think, uh, I think going even for the everyday person, it's just like golf. I like to play golf. I don't like to play a six hour round of golf. I don't want to do that. Right. I want to play four hour round of golf. Same and enjoy people, lunch. Maybe. Yeah. Same with people shooting archery. Like they, they want to go and if they can get there, what this allows, allows a club to do, say they want to hold a, an outdoor round. Okay. Sure. Previously, they may have had to start it at 8 a.m. If they have, if they have two, let's talk about like a USA archery where they have a morning and an afternoon line or whatever. They had to start the one at 8 a.m. so they could get it done before lunch so that they could get the next group in and done before dark. You know, this allows them to, if they want, started a little later started at 8 30 uh and then they'll still be done in plenty of time and then they don't have to worry about darkness coming so for a lot of people a lot of recreational shooters they might have a lot to do on a saturday right if they got a family mm -hmm. or whatever so this this allows them to go and participate but not have to commit a full day to it yeah i can really see a lot of benefits for just about every kind of shooter and i think in the end, now here's the mechanics of how this goes. If Congress approves this, these sets of motions, all of them, because I think they all have to work in concert together, any one of these being implemented without the others being implemented kind of doesn't make sense. The package makes sense. Then it's up to the executive board to adopt those. Um, and I think that we would see very clear reasoning uh, that will be discussed by Congress in Yankton. And they'll be able to come up with this. I need to point out one more thing that I've left out. And this is that when I said recurve, I meant recurve. I was not talking about Barebo. Barebo keeps the big target. Barebo would keep the 122. Huh. So I think that that's an important consideration because I know a lot of, a lot of Barebo folks would probably be stressed out by, you know, having a smaller target. Well, that's kind of strange. I think they should keep them on the 100, the 100 centimeter and just move them to a different distance or whatever. Yeah, but at the moment, I mean, I, I think they don't want to poke that bear, maybe. Um, and again, this is this is a fluid document. They could change it to that. Yeah. Because honestly, at the end of the day, once you have reduced the number of 122s needed for regular competition, the price, the cost of making the 122s would really, I would presume, go up considerably. And so having Just, a special target for Barebo would probably not make sense. Not only a special target, but a special target butt. You watch how quickly everyone starts buying smaller target butts once it's a hundred centimeter. 
That's an excellent point, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, another cost savings. Yep. You, you're yep. taking you know you're taking a good chunk, a fifth, off that target button, and that could be a big savings. So. Okay. All right. What's so the next topic? The next topic is one that is I'm going to throw I'm going to start throwing Molotov cocktails at this next topic because it's it's meant to be in good fun. Oh, sorry. Let me back up. The next topic actually affects you. And it is changing the scoring on compound. Again, yes. another item that goes hand in hand with the other stuff we've been talking about. And that is really addressing something that you brought up recently. You questioned why 11, oh, sorry, excuse me, why X-rings aren't used? At least this, for a tiebreaker. This will do more than that. The proposal now is you would have an 11 ring on your yeah. compound target. It is the X, okay? But you'd score it as an 11. It goes to 11. So you would have the inner 10, today's inner 10, today's X would be an 11 per compound. Why? Well, if you're down to 60 arrows and you've got that log jam like we saw in that event recently where we had something on the order of 12 people tied at like 702 or whatever it was, you are looking at a situation where with only 60 arrows, you're going to have even more ties. And yep. having 11s does a number of things for you. First, it really rewards precise shooting. I think that's huge. Second, by not stretching out the distance and by allowing really precise shooters to score higher, it doesn't penalize the grassroots shooters, but it does give a reward to the most precise archers. And I think yep. that that's, that's pretty cool as an idea goes. Now, it complicates scoring because your new perfect score would be what? 792, something like that, right? 792 as opposed to 720. Yeah. But yeah, if, it, if they gonna, change it to 60 arrows, you're looking 660. The other thing this does for you is it keep, lets you keep the present target face. You don't have to change the target face. You don't have to buy all new faces, whatever. You don't have to um, necessarily deal with as many shoot-offs and as many ties in the qualifying rounds. Because as you pointed out, TV doesn't cover those. It just takes time. Now, as a practical matter, you'd have new world records again. But at the end of the day, I think it would be worth doing. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, I, I, I really think that it would not be hurtful to do this. Here's the thing. My initial thought, and I will retain this thought, nothing will sway me away from having this thought. 11 <laughs> ring scoring is dumb. First, the top shooters would prefer to see it go to 60 meters and leave it as is. Okay, that's not going to happen because the normal shooters, the recreational shooters would miss a lot and that would suck. All right, so yes. fine, we'll leave it at 50 meters. But 11 ring scoring makes it much, much harder for the casual observer to follow. Yeah, I made so that point to Tom as well. Just leave it as 10 rings and subtract. Okay, now the X is the 10, the 10 is the 9, the 9 is the 8. So that's, I mean, if you want to do it, you want to accomplish the same thing, you've just done it, right? But they're going to, yeah. They're, and the other thing is they're going to need to print a bold line on that 
X-ring from here on out. Yeah, as opposed to the ghost line. as opposed to the fine line. Yeah, the the ghost line but, was simply there, so it would not. In fact, it was not intended to show up on TV. But it was I actually uh, printed that way on purpose. But uh, I did talk to our athlete rep just now while we were having this podcast conversation, and our athlete rep said, "Yes, I've heard of this proposal. Makes it harder for fans to understand what's happening. I've pushed for sixty meters." Blah, blah, blah. Mostly he says spectators need to be able to easily understand the sport and what's happening. And I'm That's kind of up to sport presentation, though. You know, the, the field announcer, the, the people doing the broadcast commentary. Yeah, but they, again. I think they can handle that. I think they can, but they'll screw it up. You watch, because they'll go from doing recurve to compound and they'll inherently make the mistake it's so much easier to leave 11 out of it i mean hey, i'm not gonna is, it's I'm, the same you know, thing all right? those years that i was doing commentary for for wa and for you know events like the olympic games i'm not going to tell you i never screwed up but i mean you know come on give people a little credit to know what they're doing i mean yeah you, you could say the judges would make the same mistake or you they know they probably the would because now the outer yellow ring would be eight instead of nine so it's kind of messy the, the the best thing to do is move it to 60 meters but they don't want to do that because feelings well it's the best thing to do for for the steve anderson's of the world maybe but it's certainly not the best thing to do for the grassroots shooters and there's more of them than there are of you absolutely but they'll get better if you push them to sure it. sure why, why is, is it a, not, that is a, why is it not 40 point, meters why is it not 40 point. meters you know, you, you made a good point, and that is that if you do raise the bar, a significant percentage of people will rise to the occasion. Fifty is an arbitrary number, right? We every number is arbitrary. We've just decided this is where it shall be, and this is the level of suck that will come from it. Fifty is and strictly based on. Further, Fifty is strictly based on eighty centimeter, you know, fifty meter feet around, and the fact that it is the second toughest target from the standpoint of aspect ratio, you know. Yeah. MOA. Um, yeah. And and you know, if you push it out to ninety, because you could you could equally make an argument that compound should be competing at ninety meters. Yeah. But again, we know why that won't be. Well, but... there's a lot of won't reasons why it won't be. Half the fields in the countries that support archery wouldn't be able to support it anymore if you went back to 90 absolutely and the other First reason of course is you know you'd be looking at a porcupine out there instead of a lawn with the number yeah. of arrows that would miss you know from the average and it takes you know <laughs> yeah and it takes forever to shoot a 90 meter round so yeah there's a lot of walking involved so you know obviously quite the opposite of everything that we've laid out for the last few minutes uh, regarding all the rationale yeah. for shortening up the round but my point is there's no reason it can't go to 60. I mean, I get well, that you do it for the recreational casual shooter, but it's arbitrary. It's arbitrary to them. 50 is, if, if 50 is, if 60 is hard, 50 is hard too. And hey. you, all you're going to do is make their score look lower because they won't hit an X the whole time. Yeah. You know, I, I obviously have been playing devil's advocate here because, you know, as someone who's, uh, got some experience with actually doing presentation, you're actually quite right. The odds of somebody screwing up or, or making it difficult to relate to audiences does increase with this kind of round. There's no question about that. I'm just saying that I think that 
you know, yeah, there might be some mistakes, but I, there won't be many after the first couple because, uh, yeah, you know, there'll be mistakes uh, across the board. Archers will score it wrong every anytime you have change. It well, it's funny you should mention that they they are adding to this some fairly strong stuff here uh, involving the scorecards and what happens if you don't have the 11s entered on the scorecard, you know, that you're DQ'd, done. So, you know, it's a, it's an extension of the existing rule. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, the, you know, the penalties def- definitely apply. And, you know, some, some top, top, top shooters, possibly including that athlete rep you were just talking about, they've gotten caught a couple times, you know, accidentally leaving without signing and things like that. And it's cost them. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Next item. And this one's more, you know, lighthearted here. Uh, I was joking with Tom, you know, they want to change the name. They have a thing in, in world archery that I have yet to see implemented anywhere, but I know it's shot in some places. They have the thing called the, the instinctive bow. You know about the instinctive bow division? I do not know about this division. So there's been an instinctive bow division for a long time. Now, what do you think of when you think of an instinctive bow? I think of like a longbow. Yep, me too. I think of something like an English longbow or even an American flatbow, you know, one of those types of bows. And, and there is a rule currently for what this bow is supposed to be. Complies with the common meaning of the word bow. Consisting of a handle riser and grip, but not a shoot through type and two flexible limbs. The riser is produced of a natural or resin-based material, e.g. wood, bamboo, horn, cloth, fiberglass. And a portion of the riser may include carbon, graphite, or metal. The riser must be of laminated construction or one piece of wood. Well, already they've, they've, they've already taken away the, you know, the idea here of a longbow, which is just one piece of wood. It also says the bow may be a takedown type and may incorporate factory-installed metal fittings in the riser for limb attachment, sight mount inserts, cushion plunger insert, and stabilizer bushings only. The bow may have a single adjustable limb for tiller adjustments, but may not have adjustable limb pockets. The riser may have thin synthetic laminates up to six millimeters in width to use for limb pocket protection for structural... You see where this is going? It's just the riser. into a recurve bow. Uh-huh. The riser, however, must contain some wood or bamboo. No more than one quarter of the riser's construction may be produced of metal or synthetic material. And it goes on in this vein. Okay, you get the picture. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a homage to an actual traditional bow without being an actual traditional bow. So They've gone ahead and they've taken the word instinctive out and they've plugged in the word traditional. And here's how WA committee working on this, the field and 3D committee and the technical committee, two different committees, the field and 3D committee and the technical committee. Here's what they've come up with now. This is what they call an instinctive bow. A bow of any type consisting of a handle riser, a grip and two flexible limbs the riser is of laminated construction and includes wooden laminates are made of one piece of wood, may have metal fittings for limb attachments, stabilizer bushings, etc. The bow as described shall be bare, except for an arrow rest. 
weights inside the bow riser are permitted if installed during the manufacturing process. All such weights shall be completely invisible. Here's the real issue. String walking is not permitted. Face walking is not permitted. Finger protection in the form of finger stalls or tips, gloves or shooting tab or tape to draw and release is permitted, provided they do not incorporate any device that shall assist the athlete draw and release the string. Markings are not permitted. An anchor plate is not permitted. You see where this is going? It's barebow uh, without calling it barebow. If we're it's, talking it's barebow with no string walking on. We've already dedicated more time to this instinctive class than we have listeners, I'm sure. I'm going to ignore uh, your point because <laughs> I'm making a point here. You, you realize what this is. This is how barebow actually ought to be in the, in the view of some people. Oh, yeah. For, it, I mean, go the look way barebow is right thoughts. now, the way barebow is right now, man, uh, it, it is absolutely an aimed sport. Uh-huh. They are, they are taking that away for this division. They're saying no anchor plate. So therefore, no de facto clicker, looking at some of you out there, barebow shooters. And you have to have the index finger or middle finger within three millimeters of the knock or touching. You can shoot split finger or three fingers under. Uh, you can use a finger separator if you're split fingered. Single anchor or face walking is permitted. String walking is not permitted. So there's actually a, um, up above it says no string, no face walking. Here it says a single anchor or face walking is permitted. So I think that might be a typo. The idea here though is no string walking. In other words, no using your arrow as a de facto sight. And I think that's a very interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see. I know you don't think it's interesting, but I do. Because I think, well, honestly, this might be, you could say that this is how barebow ought to be, man. You really should. When you look at uh, a YouTube video from World Archery, let's say it's, let's say it's recurve shooters or whoever, recurve or compound, World Cup. One of the first questions is usually how far away is the target? So I don't know. Maybe they should put that as like a graphic that permanently resides in the lower corner of the screen. I don't the disagree. The next thing people say is look at all that crap hanging off their bow. So. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe a good portion of people would like to see uh, an instinctive class because barebow isn't it. I mean, they, they people would be like, why are they? What are they doing? They're holding it weird. They're counting serving threads because that's their sight tape. You know, there's all sorts of and the latest thing, of course, of is you know the involved. the de facto the de facto clicker that is being used either on the grip or on the tab by a number of these shooters which is about to get cracked down on hard from what my understanding is. I haven't seen this. What is this? this? Well, there's a method by which you can use certain grip configurations or certain tab configurations as a de facto clicker. And I'm not going to get into the how you do it because I don't need to tell more people how it's done. But I will say that it's something that has been getting the attention of some of the officials. They know it's happening. They know that it contravenes the spirit of the rules. And there's going to be a reckoning on it really soon, from what I understand. It's like the baseball players putting 
foreign substances on their hands before they pitch. It's getting Very cracked down on as well. Yes. That was a scandal 30 years ago, and it comes back every once in a while. But this is this is uh, this is they're getting ready to draw a line on this, from what I understand. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it affects some shooters, because there is a number of barebow guys out there that have target panic and have figured out a way to set off the shot. And that's going to get cracked down on pretty quickly. It'll be interesting to see how it affects things. Yeah. So there's your there's your controversy for the podcast today. I like. I like controversy. I mean, oh, well, trust admitted, me. I know. <laughs> admittedly, when it comes to, to a class I have never heard of, I I don't, um, I don't have a huge weighty opinion on that. Well, but, and you know, here's <laughs> the reality: even the even the rationale for what's going on with this thing, with this traditional division being changed to instinctive. Excuse me, the other way around: the instinctive division being changed to traditional. Uh, they say they you need a fresh start with this thing because uh, first of all it's unnecessarily restrictive. Second of all, um, there aren't any there aren't any events. Nobody's nobody's running events for this thing. Participation in the division is is very very small, and it's partly because it doesn't let you use bows that are easily easily available on the open market. Um, so this situation not tenable and i think that you've got a situation now if they make this change it'll be a more inclusive division easier to get equipment creates a better experience for the participants makes the rules simpler to work with for the judges cuts down on the cheaters so i think that all of this is a good plan um because quite frankly they could just make this division go away if if uh if they didn't come up with a new plan and nobody would notice so I mean, you know, you haven't heard of it. That tells you tells you a lot. Yeah, maybe it and, should and, go away. Well, that's a separate issue. I think that you've got to remember a lot of folks in parts of Europe that like to run around in the woods. You know, our good friends at Strabel would tell you in, in Luzerne that they have a lot of customers who like to put on those coonskin caps and run around shooting at 3D animals in the woods. And this is a division that is right up the alley of those people. You know, they're shooting they should, that they're shooting that more traditional style. They're not face walking. They should make a division where you have to build your own bow. You know, Jay Bars and I had years ago proposed that we put on an event where we we have an invitational, we have a pot of money available, and we have an invitational. Only a certain number of top shooters would be invited to come to this thing. And the first thing that happens is they walk into a room full of equipment. They have 90 minutes to put together a bow from scratch, including, you know, tuning and sighting. And the winner takes all. Sounds like a good event. Sounds like something I did recently in Vegas. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. That uh, project you're working on with Greg, right? Yeah. So that same principle would be something that we talked about. We've been talking about this for years. Um, I haven't done anything with it, but I think it would be, a, it would make for a great little documentary. For one Wasn't thing, it would certainly. show where they had to like go to a junkyard and then assemble a 
a vehicle and then race it or something like that? Yeah, it's called Top Gear. There's <laughs> <laughs> been they a number of Archer. Top Gear episodes like that, right? Where they basically have these junkers and they've got to fix them up and 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 then they do a uh, you know tour of Italy or whatever. So, yes, you know, similar idea. But in this case, we're talking about okay, you got you know we we arranged for the win and wins and Hoyts and PSEs and Samix and MKs and all the all the manufacturers to put that stuff out there, you know, make it available. These people can select from any limb, any riser in the inventory, any string material. Maybe, maybe we add 30 minutes and make them make their own string. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not saying we have to make them fletch arrows and all that stuff. We'd figure out some kind of a MacGuffin to take care of that problem. But at the end of the day, it's the best combination of mechanic and athlete that probably would prevail in this situation. Because you and I both know there are some archers out there, you, they can't tune a bow to save their life. They're, they count on their coach or their equipment tech. And there are some athletes out there who wouldn't let anybody else touch their bow. Yeah. And yeah, obviously one wouldn't be a participant and the other one would really enjoy it. So <laughs> One would be a lot more competitive than the other, I'd say. It's kind of funny. Um, there's a... a fellow uh, you and I both know pretty well. And recently he put out a, a video and he's talking about how important it is to make sure you fletch in the direction of the natural spin of the arrow. And, and to be honest with you, I haven't watched the video, but I've watched a few comments about it. And I, you know, somebody made a point that, yeah, this is really important. I, I, to, you know, lack of better judgment, I went and said, you know, there are some things that are important and this isn't one of them. Clearance is important, yeah, but worrying about whether you want to use right or left helical because of the, quote, natural spin direction of your arrow is pretty low on the list of priorities. And he's like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. This guy is an Olympic medalist. And I thought that was kind of an interesting rebuttal because I know a lot of Olympic medalists that are really good bow technicians, and I know a lot more of them that aren't. Yeah, and that whole thing has been played out. It's it's an easy way for someone to try to sound like they have some type of inside scoop. Like, Oh, I've got the hot tip for you. And it's like, man, we, we had that discussion about, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah. We and it ultimately you, doesn't really matter. We had that discussion 10 years ago. And I can tell you, we had that discussion 35 years ago. <laughs> yeah. With the exact same results. It's pretty easy to, to just bring up, stuff now you know shame on shame on a lot of us for not producing content um and allowing people who are willing to produce content who should not be acting in an authoritative informational manner to do so shame on it is it is what it is shame on those who should be who should be putting out the the real info okay well we're kind of doing a little bit of that right now we are, In yeah, but we've got our audience and it's not the size of YouTube and, you know, things of that true, nature. True, so. true. Well, I don't disagree with you. We could make a better effort. I, I also say, though, that, uh, you know, part of that is a matter of priorities. You have a full-time job. I have plenty of work to do. And I think that, 
I think we should take those opportunities when we can. You know, I, one thing I, I would love to do is sit down with you and a few other people and have kind of a roundtable discussion on some of these things. And, you know, we yeah. talked about this and I think we, we uh, just need to make it happen then. Not yeah. to mention all those opportunities we yeah. have to talk about stuff happening in the parking lot. It's coming. There will be more content produced, at least from, uh, from my, my side. Now that I'm more back involved in marketing again. What do you got coming up next couple of weeks? You got any more events going? I got an ASA and that's, that's about it for me. Are you going to shoot it? Yeah. That sounds like fun. Sounds like a nice, uh, nice change. Uh, it's in Metropolis, Illinois. It'll probably be a thousand degrees and a thousand percent humidity. Well, here we are in Utah where it's a thousand degrees, but about 12% humidity, which is raising its own kinds of interesting issues. You see what's going on up in the canyons? I have not. Uh-uh. And it looks like fire season in, in, in August in California right now. It's getting ugly out there. So yeah, Pray for rain, man. <laughs> yeah, we're in, we're in desperate need. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Steve, I'll let you go. I appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, we will touch base when we see some more updates on these items here and uh, you and I will get together again pretty soon to talk about what's happening with Paris coming up. And I don't mean Paris, the 3d destination. I mean, Paris as in the home of the Eiffel tower. So yeah, you know, we're, we're really, man, the time is flying. We are getting down to the last days before the last selections for the Tokyo Olympic games. Pretty exciting stuff. So, Looking forward to seeing how some more of that shakes out. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what, you know, teams get in. And especially if our uh, home team here in the U.S. can put together a couple of three-person squads or or what. So It'd be so a great I, outcome. I would yeah. really love to see the women step up and, and be able to pull that off. That would be a huge boost for morale for our women's contingent in the United States, which you know, has had trouble making a full team in a long, long time. So uh, let's hope for the best yeah. on that one. Yeah, we've got, I think we've got probably our best chance we've had in a long time. So, oh yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that that's the truth. I think that that, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think that uh, it's as, as Rod Menzer mentioned, I think, you know, this is the best team, both the men and the women that we've seen in a long time. And I think this is going to be something that, uh, if anybody can do it, this is the one group that can. So yeah, we'll see let's get them in. Let's get them in. Absolutely. So have a good one, Steve. We'll talk soon. Yeah. We normally have a better show break than this, but I guess this is what we're working with today. I'm struggling to come up with a good show break. <laughs>